0: And I love what he says in verse 11 when he says, And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do unto thee all that thou requirest. For all in the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. Everyone knows this about Ruth. This is the testimony that she has. Remember what was said of Daniel. They tried to find something wrong with Daniel so they could convict him, so they could kill him, and they couldn't. So they came up with a law that they knew he would break. Because that's the testimony that he had, that I am sold out to God and nothing you do can make me change that. Before we begin today in Ruth chapter 3, I want to open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to come before you and to know that you hear and answer prayers. Lord, I don't know how people live without the knowledge that you are in control and that it is in you that we live and move and have our being. I just do not understand how... Someone can live their life without that knowledge. But Lord, we pray for those that are living that way today. That they would come to know you in a real and powerful way. You have said in Peter's epistle that you're not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. We know that your desire for us is that we would live in relationship with you. And that we would have that benefit in that assurance. And so I pray that if there be anyone here that does not have that today, that they would leave this building knowing for sure that they are redeemed by our kinsman redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I pray now that the thoughts of my heart and the meditations thereof will be um, honoring to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So just by way of short review, in Ruth chapter 1, we have a situation where Ruth um, and uh, Orpah have lost their husbands. These husbands are sons of Naomi, and Naomi says, the famine is done in Israel, so I'm going to go back where there's bread, um, and you guys can go back. To your homes, because it was the desire of Naomi that they would have rest in the house of their husbands. And she's like, I can't raise up husbands for you, so you need to go back to Moab. And at first they both clung to her and they didn't want to leave, but then Orpah leaves. But Ruth says the famous lines Entreat me not to leave you, for where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. And the most important thing she said is this. Your God will be my God. And then she said, Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. And she basically says, Let me be cursed if that is not true. So the dedication of Ruth is high. And so... Ruth begins to live that out, because then in Ruth chapter 2, she is gleaning in the field of Boaz, and Naomi says it's good for you to glean there, because Boaz is a near kinsman to us. And so that brings us to Ruth chapter 3, and there's some very interesting comparisons and contrasts today, but first we're going to talk about um the whole message today is Naomi seeking to secure Ruth's future, which is an interesting callback to chapter 1, because remember, Naomi said, I can't raise up sons for you, even though that was an expectation. So the first thing that I want to bring out here is that Naomi instructs Ruth respect. If you are taking notes, that's the first point today. Let's look at the first seven verses of Ruth chapter 3. And we read there, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he went with barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make make not thyself known unto the man, until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be, when he layeth down, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lay, and thou shalt go in, and uncover his feet, and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, all that thou sayest unto me, I will do. And she went unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Moaz had eaten and drink, and his heart was merry, he went to lay down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. So in this first, in this first few verses here, we see that Naomi wants to secure a future for Ruth. A future that she did not think in Ruth chapter 1 she would be able to secure remember she comes back to Bethlehem and says I left full and I came back empty and I always found that in- interesting because Naomi because Ruth was with her and Ruth was obviously a source of encouragement and comfort to her and in chapter 4 we'll see that her her kinsfolk will say, Ruth is better for you than ten sons. So obviously, Naomi was being short-sighted at this point in Ruth chapter 1 and saying that I came back empty, because coming back with Ruth was not coming back empty. But it took trial and error and life experience for her to be able to tell this. See, all through the end of chapter 1 and chapter 2, We see Ruth with only one mindset. And that mindset is, I'm going to go glean in the fields to provide for Naomi. Now we don't know why Naomi couldn't go glean in the fields for herself. We only knew, we only know that the culture in which they were living was one where you show respect and dignity to your elders. I don't think that the moratorium on that has expired with the Old Testament. Or even with the new. We still need to foster in our culture a love and a respect for those who are our elders. And in this case, there was no man to provide for them, so Ruth went to be a provider. And Naomi has been observing this throughout our whole text so far. And so now I believe that she wants to return the favor. And so then she's going to give Ruth some very specific instructions. She says, Wash yourself therefore and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon me, and get thee down to the floor, but make not thyself known unto the man until he be done eating and drinking. So we see some discretion here. Naomi says, You go, and you prepare yourself, make yourself pretty, get ready, and then go down to the threshing floor, and, and wait for Boaz to be done eating, and then present yourself to him. Now some people think of this as a bad thing. I've read commentators on both sides of the issue. But I think that one of the reasons this may be is because Boaz perhaps was a shy man. There was a lady by the name of Candace Waters, and she wrote a book called Pulling a Roof, or something to that matter. And she talked about a really good friend that she had, and they spent a lot of time together, and she was falling in love with him. She knew they cared about each other, but she said, I can't continue to just be your friend. So unless you're going to put a ring on it, we're not going to spend time together anymore. And guess what? He wised up, and they're married, and they have children, and they seek to, they seek to teach people how to have godly relationships. But the point was, he was not acting, and she needed to take drastic measures to make sure that he knew what she wanted. And the reason that I say this is because as we go down the chapter, we will find that Boaz praises Ruth for what? For not going after the younger men. For seeing godliness and goodness in Boaz, even though he was probably considerably older than she was. And so, Naomi continues, And it shall be when he lieth down, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet, and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. So Naomi knows that if they take this action, Boaz is going to do the right thing. And as I read this book of Ruth, I think to myself, I want to be a Boaz. Remember in the first chapter, Boaz goes to the field and he greets the people that are working in the field and he says, the Lord be with you. And their response to him is, and also with you. How great is it when we work in a place where we have an employer or we live in a home or we have parents or siblings who want God's best for us. Who have the thought process to have our best interest in mind and know that that can only come through God. Because our human interests, our human efforts, our human efforts are at best weak. The reality is, the Bible says that our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Even the things that we try to do right are often tainted with our own desires. And with our own motives. But God created us for good works, so I'm in no way saying that we shouldn't do them. I'm only saying that nothing we do good is of itself enough God's eyes that's why Jesus died for us and so we continue on down and we see this from Ruth and she said unto her all that thou sayest unto me I will do she had enough respect for her mother-in-law Naomi that she said all that you say I will do again This is the antithesis of the modern interpretation in our culture of the mother-in-law. Ruth loved her mother-in-law. She had proven her love for her mother-in-law. So now Naomi says, she's proven her love to me. I'm going to reach out and I'm going to help her. I really believe that we're seeing growth in Naomi. Verse 7, And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lay down at the end of the heap of corn, and she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. (laughs) She didn't announce her presence. She just laid down at his feet. This is a gesture of submission. She could have demanded that Boaz take the place of the kinsman redeemer. That could have been her first her opening salvo, so to speak, could have been, you are our near kinsman, I need you to take responsibility for this. But instead, she chooses humility, and God will honor that later. And remember, Boaz already knows this about Ruth. Through the first two chapters, they are starting to develop this relationship. Remember, when Boaz sees her, she sticks out. And he says, Who is this woman? Because he sees her working hard. He he sees her, I believe, exuding joy and virtue. Because guess what? When you're at peace with God, it shows in your countenance. And so he sees her and he says, Who is this? And then they say, It's Ruth the Moabitess. And then he hears the stories about her. And when he goes to her, what does he say? He says, I've heard that you are a woman of virtue. Praise the Lord that you have sought refuge under His wings. What a great testimony. That's the kind, I'm still praying for a wife. So I I hope that you'll keep that on your prayer list. But that's the kind of wife that I want. Someone who has sought refuge in our kinsman Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if she hadn't sought refuge in him, there's no refuge that I can give her. The only way this works is if one man and one woman covenant before God that they will put him first and then put each other second. So they can be a testimony to the world of what marriage means. Because in our culture today, we don't know What marriage means. Often, even in Christian marriages, we have two individuals who decide to live under one roof and it doesn't work. Why? Because you have to be going in the same direction. Amos says, Can two walk together unless they be agreed? They have to be agreed. They have to have a shared vision. It can't just be, Let's get married, but you do your thing, I'll do mine. No. When you covenant to marry someone, You are covenanting to walk alongside them through the good and the bad of life. Last year in October, or no, last year in August, my dad got a kidney stone. And it was really bad, and he had two surgeries, and he was in excruciating pain. And my mom walked alongside him and held him up when he was weak. Fast forward to December, my family gets covid most of us went through it with little to no adverse effects. I lost my smell and my taste. Weirdest thing in the world. I had, a bad, I had a bad headache for about a week, but other than that, I didn't have any major physical problems. But my mom, she has asthma, and it was a really rough time for her. She went probably two or three weeks. Without basically getting out of her chair in the living room. Because she couldn't lay down upstairs to go to bed. She couldn't get up to cook. She, she couldn't do basically anything. My dad, fortunately, has been working from home a lot since the pandemic. And so he was able to be there and do all the things that she typically did. And I watched him care for her and sickness in, in and out. And then, shortly after she got a clear COVID test, she woke up and she had swollen legs. And when they were about to take her into the hospital, she passed out. And they had to call an ambulance and take her to the hospital. And she was in the hospital for three days over, over Christmas. And he very rarely left her side. She's fine now. I praise the Lord for that. Just continuing to take her blood thinner for probably one more month. But in those two events, I saw my mom and my dad show me what it means to be with someone in sickness and in health. You know, on the wedding day, it all looks great. Nothing could go wrong. Everything... Is going to be awesome. But the rubber meets the road. The next day. And you realize. That you have to live. With this person. For the rest. Of your life. And the only way you can do that. Is by putting God first. And what we see here. In this passage. Is two people. That above all. Have put God first. And that is why this story works because Ruth and Boaz are both people of virtue who have come together to do God's will let's look by way of cross-reference at Deuteronomy 2 5 and 10 Uh, actually Deuteronomy 25 5 to 10 I believe I think that's a that's a typo I believe it's Deuteronomy 25 5 to 10 this talks about the law of the kinsman redeemer.
1: If brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son. The widow of the dead man shall not be married to a stranger outside the family. Her husband's brother shall go into her, take her as his wife, and, be, and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And it shall be that the firstborn son, which she bears, will succeed to the name of the dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. But a man does not want to take his brother's wife, and let his brother's wife go up to the gate to the elders and say, My husband's brother refuses to raise up a name to his brother in Israel. He will not perform the duty of my brother's, my husband's brother. Then the elders of his city shall call him and speak to him. But if he stands firm and says, I do not want to take her, then his brother's wife shall come to him in the presence of the elders, remove his sandal, on his foot, spit in his face, and answer and say, So shall be done to the man who will not build up his brother's house, and his name shall be called Israel, the house of him who had his sandal removed.
0: So, this gives us a little bit of background on what is going to transpire as we go from Ruth chapter 3 to Ruth chapter 4. The one interesting thing about this is that Boaz is not surprised by this. He knows how this works. He's familiar with the customs. He's not like totally shocked that Ruth would do this. Because he's prepared with an answer. And to look at a New Testament application of what we are discussing, let's look at 1 Timothy 5 8 to 14 first Timothy 5 8 to 14 again if somebody gets there if you could read it for us i would appreciate it would it any provide not for us own especially for those who are in class because the money for as was supposed to go so however 8 to 14 uh we're going to
1: Been More uh, if she,
0: she has brought children, if she lost lost strangers, she is lost the saints' feet, if she has received and footed, and she personally followed the if she the The young refused, but one refuse, when they have begun to Christ the be uh, nation because they cast off their first faith. and all they to be idol, Alright, um, so this is a New Testament passage, but I think we can see how Ruth has met these qualifications of a young widow. She has done the godly things for her mother in law, and her virtue is known throughout the town. And so, she is now in a position where it is best for her to marry and raise up children. And of course, the broader implication of this is that Ruth, the Moabitess, the foreigner, who commits to follow the one true God, ends up in the family tree of the Lord Jesus. Because she will give birth to Obed, who gave birth to Jesse, who gave birth to David, and what is Jesus, one of Jesus' names? The son of David. God told David, someone will be on your throne eternally. How is that possible? The only way it is is because the eternal son of God, the king of kings, is a son of David. Ruth wasn't anybody special. She was just a woman Who committed to follow the God of Israel. And this is God. Providing for her and showing her. That I am going to take care of you. And not only that. But you will have a place in history. There's a book in the Bible. Dedicated to her. Because she dedicated herself. To God. So we move to our second point. Which is, Ruth appeals, and Boaz responds. Let's look at Ruth, chapter 3, verses 8 to 14. And we read, And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid, and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she said, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a your kinsman. And he said, Blessed... Be thou of the Lord, my daughter? For thou hast showed more kindness in this latter end than at the beginning, insomuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true, I am thy near kinsman. Howbeit, there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinman well, let him do the kinman's part. But, but, but if he will not do the part of a kinman to thee, then will I do the part of a kingdom to thee, as the Lord liveth, lay down until the morning. And she lay at his feet until the morning, And she rose up before one could know. And he said, Let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. So I want you to notice a couple of things here. First of all, he turns and he asks, Who are you? Now, one may wonder, Why is Boaz sleeping on the threshing floor? But we need to remember that this book starts out, telling us that it happens when? In the days of the judges. And during the days of the judges, people did what was right in their own eyes. And there were a lot of hostile takeovers of the Israelites by different people because God put them through the ringer. He said, if you're not going to follow me, I'm going to let you know what it's like not to follow me, and I'm going to let pagan people take you over. Remember where Gideon was when he was approached by the angel of the Lord. He was in the wine press threshing wheat, hiding it from the Midianites. And so, I think the idea here is that Boaz wants to protect his investment, so he's laying in, in the, by the grain, saying, if anybody takes the grain, they're going to have to take it over my body. And so that's why he's here. And so he says, who are you? Because it could have been a thief. Or it could have been someone else, but it was Ruth. And then listen to her humble language. She says, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. There spread therefore thy skirt over thy handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. So she is seeking refuge with Boaz. She's already learned to take refuge in God, and now she's starting to see that God is providing her refuge. With Boaz. And this isn't the first time that she's had refuge with Boaz. Because when she went to the fields, Boaz told the reapers, drop extra for her. Boaz told her, you can eat with me. Share my food. And if you need to rest, you can go into the house. And I have commanded them not to touch you. And we already know that the people that he worked with respected him. So when he says don't touch her, they're not going to touch her. So she already knows that she's been provided for by Boaz. And he is just adding on to that by saying, I will do what you ask of me. And I love what he says in verse 11 when he says, And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do unto thee all that thou requires. For all in the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. Everyone knows this about Ruth. This is the testimony that she has. Remember what was said of Daniel. They tried to find something wrong with Daniel so they could convict him, so they could kill him, and they couldn't. So they came up with a law that they knew he would break because that's the testimony that he had that I am sold out to God and nothing you do can make me change that. Now of course I'm pretty, I'm sure that Daniel wasn't perfect but before the people of the kings that he served he was known as a man of integrity who did not Thus, he was able to serve not one, not two, but four pagan kings. What a testimony that is to us. We live in a very pagan world, but we can still shine for the Lord Jesus. And he says in verse to back up a little bit. He says, Thou hast shown more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, insomuch as thou followest not after the young men, whether poor or rich. He knew that she was seeing him for who he was, and not for the externals. And I, I'm very heartened by that, because I know There have been potential relationships both platonic and romantic for me that have been ended before they started because people were afraid of the things that they didn't know. I was telling Chris before the service that I actually said goodbye to the potter's house in September because of issues related to my disability and I'd be willing to uh, share those with you in a personal conversation but suffice it to say that God showed that his will was that I move on from there but my point is it's a mark of godliness that we look beyond externals and see people's hearts. Remember what God said to Samuel when he went to anoint David king. He saw each brother in succession and he thought, surely this is the one. Surely he is going to be king. And God said, I have rejected them. Know that I don't look at the outward appearance. But I look at the heart. And he said of David, even in the New Testament in Acts, after David had done all the bad things that he had done, he still was able to say that David was a man after my own heart who did all my will. Why? Because when David did wrong, he confessed and repented and forsook. You see, with Saul, the God of Israel was never Saul's God. And when he did worship God, it was so that he could get credit, cred within his community. He said, Samuel, come and serve the, worship the Lord, your God, your, with me, so that the people don't think I'm a bad person. That's, that's a paraphrase by me, but that's essentially the idea. I don't want the people to think I'm a bad person, so please worship God with me. And then Samuel tells him, God has ripped the kingdom from you and given, you, given it to someone better. Isn't it interesting that out of all the people in Israel, the one that captures Boaz's attention and his heart is a Moabite. It's very possible that she had a closer relationship with God than some people who were the chosen people. And we see that today. There are many Jews in Israel today who have rejected Jesus as Messiah. But he is, and he's coming. And we need to be ready. And so, Boaz has given assurance that he will do his duty as a kinsman as long as the nearer kinsman rejects his responsibility. And he says to her to tarry overnight because he doesn't want her traveling home in the middle of the night. He is watching over her. He is protecting her. And in the morning, he is doing even more to protect her character because he says, tell no one that you were here. I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea about why you were here and what we were doing. So let's make sure no one... Finds out that you were here. Let's look by way of cross reverence at Proverbs 31, 29 to 31. This, of course, is a familiar passage about the virtuous woman. And it is often used in women's Bible studies and, and in Mother's Day sermons or whatnot. But it's interesting to note that it was written from a mother to her son. So this is a, a challenge to sons that this is what you look for in a wife. If someone has Proverbs 31, 29 to 31, if they can read it for us.
1: Many women are capable, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is pleading, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Give her the reward.
0: And again, remember what Boaz said. He said, the whole city knows about your virtue. And he's actually going to go to the city gates in order to procure her when we get to Ruth chapter 4. And so, again, we just see the virtue of both of these people wanting the best, seeking God's will. So, Our third section is Boaz provides, Naomi reassures. Boaz provides, Naomi reassures. Now he's already said, I'm going to do the part of a Kinsman Redeemer if no one else will. And I'm sure he was hoping that they wouldn't. Because he's already expressed his affection for Ruth when he talked about her not chasing after younger men. So let's look at the final few verses here in Ruth chapter 3 and see how he continues to provide for her and for Naomi. Also he said, Bring that veil that thou hast upon thee and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her and she went into the city. And when she came to her mother in law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. And she gave and she said, These six measures of barley gave he me, for he said to me, Go not empty unto thy mother in law. Then she said, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he had finished the thing this day and there, there was some debate in the things that I read about the amount of, of grain that was given here um, they said if if it, was, if it was the amount that we understand in modern day then it probably wasn't that because it could be upwards of 200 pounds and that in that case not only would Ruth be a virtuous woman she would be one of the strongest women in Israel. So, but nonetheless, he is providing again above and beyond the livelihood of Ruth and her mother. He is acting out before it's even written that passage in First Timothy about providing for your own. And he is showing his virtue. And Naomi says to Ruth, Sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he has finished the thing this day. A godly man is a man of action. If something needs to be done... If something needs to be accomplished, a godly man will seek to do it. There's an old poem, and I forget who wrote it, but it basically says, if you want something done, ask a busy man. A busy man will fit it into his schedule. A lazy man will find every reason in the world not to do it. Boaz was a highly influential businessman, but he told her, That he would take care of things, make sure that everything was taken care of before the day was out. And Naomi reassures her that we know the character of Boaz. He's taken care of us to this point. He just gave us more resources. I know that he will not rest until he has done what he needs to do to take you as his wife. What a wonderful picture we have of our Lord and Savior. When He was going to Jerusalem to die for our sins, there's a passage that says, He set His face like a flint. Remember Peter said, Don't go to Jerusalem because they'll kill you. Far be it from you. And what did Jesus say? He said, Get thee behind me, Satan. When Peter pulls out his sword and cuts off Malchus' ear, fights back against the Roman garrison, what does Jesus say? He says, Put up your sword. If this cup was given to me by my father, shall I not drink it? If I wanted to, could I not call 12 legions of angels and they would come to my rescue? But you see, if Jesus had been rescued that day, we would not be. If Jesus had come off that cross as he was commanded by the religious leaders, then we would have had to go on it. Love held him on that cross. And uh, I'm so thankful. Because there's nothing in me that deserves redemption, but He provided it. Just as Boaz is is in the process of providing redemption for Ruth, so our kinsman redeemer, Jesus Christ, wants to provide redemption for you. See, the reason that I'm here before you today is because when I was a when I was almost five years old. I came to the realization that if I didn't trust Jesus, that I was deserving and would go to hell. But God said to me, I want you, Andrew. And he reached down into my life and he redeemed me. And it was and it's not all roses and sunshine. Because for the next nine years I was like, God. Why did you save me, but then give me this crippled body when there's no way for me to serve you? And he was patient with me through the next nine years. And when I was 14, after I'd gone through the trauma of the death of my baby brother, where I wondered why he took my baby brother and left me here, because I was completely useless. That's the view I have of myself. He broke through and he said, wait a second, Andrew. Who made your mouth? Who made you? And he said, I made you. And I have a purpose for you. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus that we would do the works that he has set out before us. And he said, I have works for you to do. And I said, but God, I I can't do that. And as he said to Moses, so he said to me, Go with me, and I will tell you what to say. Do you have a challenge that God has placed before you that you think is impossible? Guess what? You're probably right. God gives us impossible duties, impossible dreams, impossible goals, so that when he accomplishes them, he gets the glory. He told Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. Your descendants will be as the the stars in the sky. And Abraham's like, wait a minute, God. I don't have any children. Maybe my line is supposed to come through Eliezer. And God says, no, Abraham. Your own loins will produce your hair. And when he was 99 and Sarah was 90, they were given a baby. A year before that, the angel of the Lord, who I believe is the pre-incarnate Christ, came to them and said, this time next year, your wife will have a baby. And it says that Sarah laughed in her tent because she didn't believe. But God gave her the baby anyway. He didn't say, oh, since you didn't believe, I'm not going to use you. No, because our Lord is one who knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. And so he uses the imperfect, the ones that the world thinks are useless to accomplish his goals. I'm so thankful for that. God didn't write me off. And he hasn't written you off either. We're going to close in just a minute, but first I want to look at a couple more cross-references. The first one being Galatians 6.10. Galatians 6.10. As you're turning there, I'll just read this about obedience from Thomas Aquinas He says, instant obedience is the only kind of obedience there is. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Whoever strives to withdraw from obedience withdraws from grace. And we see in Ruth this picture of obedience. Remember she said to Naomi, all that you say, I will do. Why? Because Naomi had introduced her to the living and one true God, and she knew she could trust her. Let's look at at Galatians 6.10.
1: Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers.
0: We see this lived out in Boaz. Obviously, he has a, a good rapport with everyone that he works with, but with Ruth... He has found, found a kindred spirit, one who loves the Lord. And so he is doing good for her as an extension of his faith. Psalm 37, 3-5. to five. Psalm 37, 3-5. to five.
1: Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him.
0: And he will do this. Ruth went to Israel not having any idea how she would be accepted. She just said, I'm willing to trust God. Your God will be my God. And she went with Naomi. And Naomi wasn't a very big help in the first chapter because she said, the Lord has sent me out full and brought me back empty. Again, not realizing that she was... More full than she had any comprehension of. And yet, Ruth, this person who lived in a pagan land, clung to God. And the results were that God provided. That's kind of what uh, God said about the Thessalonians. When Paul wrote, How good it is that you turn from idols to serve the living God. A little girl told an older friend that she was going to give her papa a pair of slippers for his birthday. Where will you get the money? asked the friend. She opened her eyes wide and said, Why, Father, will give me the money. For a moment the friend was silent as he thought that the father would buy his own birthday present. And the father loved the little girl and appreciated the gift even though he paid for it himself. We have nothing of our own to give to God. That's that's why we sing in that song earlier, every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. Because the only thing that we have are blessings from God. Someone posted something on Facebook that seems to be an alarming reality, which is posts about how we deserve All the best. I deserve happiness. I deserve this career. I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. And I just posted under that post, in the comment, nothing I have is things that I deserve. It's all blessings from God. I deserve hell. I deserve to be ignored. I deserve to be put in that trash heap of life. Some would even say, that I I don't even have the capability of having a quality of life. I was born three months premature. I don't know what the percentage is now, but when I went to work for Right to Life in 1998, it said that 33% of all abortions took place in the second trimester and beyond. And if it wasn't for my parents who loved God and knew that God had a purpose for my life, I could have been one of those people. I have struggled against low expectations of people around me for my whole life. But the good news is, the only one that I need to please is God. And God is the one who gives me the power to do the things I do. For it is God who worketh in you, both to will and to do. Of his good pleasure. What a wonderful privilege it is to know that he has everything in his hands. Even the situation with Ukraine, Vladimir Putin thinks he's going to win. But one day, Vladimir Putin, along with the rest of us, will bow our knee before the Lord and confess him as Lord to the glory of God the Father, and we will be held accountable. For the things that we have done that are wrong but i am thankful that when my record is seen it will be wiped away because i'm covered by the blood of jesus and that is what redemption is all about jesus said to the people that he interacted with he said how often would i have gathered you under my wings as the hand gather gathers her chicks, but you would not. Don't be among those who would not. Be among those who do. Heavenly Father, what a wonderful privilege it is to be yours. Lord, I thank you for these words in Ruth chapter 3 and how you can use them to point to our kingdom redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for all that you've done for us, all that you will continue to do. I pray that you will be with us as we go to our homes and into our communities this week, that we would be Jesus to them. In Jesus' name, amen.